When you have a U-Haul truck for five hours, like that time crunch is mm-hmm. like so real. Um, but you know, I'm getting there. I've I've slept here two nights now as mm-hmm. as we record this segment, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, slept very comfortably. My curtains are great; they keep the room very Ooh, nice and dark. That's good. Uh, I yeah, I don't have an AC installed currently. And I've gotten by okay with just a fan so uh-huh. far. We'll see. It's been it's been like mild summer, like high right. seventies. Yeah, like high it's of certainly we could get another set of hot days. Yeah, though. you should get prepared right. for that. Are there any? Yeah, ghosts? so we'll see. Uh, very possible. This building is quite old. It's wow. like a nineteen thirties. It was a hotel, so I imagine it has seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not noticed any ghosts. Uh, my, my, the door to the bathroom from the bedroom actually does not latch. So that's some high potential for some spooky play around mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could swing the door open whenever they wanted yeah. to. Yeah, but they, um, they might, the ghosts might like you because I don't want to say where you live, but it does end in Andy. That's true. Well, yes. Uh, not going to offer any further comment on that to give people <laughs> clues to find where I live. But, um, uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, yes, that's true. Andy is contained in the name of the building that I live in. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if ghosts tend to have a, like, affinity towards people who share parts of the name of the building they haunt. Uh, I also don't know how long this building has been called this. I think probably Mm. the whole time, but Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I don't know all the history of it. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I certainly welcome any friendly ghosts. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, any, any Caspers out uh-huh. there, any friends of Casper want to, want to come on and say hi. I'm ha- I'm happy to, uh, to try to, try to relieve your suffering and try to let you pass on to the next stage. Well, isn't that wonderful? Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and so far I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga, yeah, we're we're going just yep, the two of us just, just uh, for this first segment here. Yep, we're gonna talk about the news of the week, and then uh, Colin and Emilio will uh, join. Will join me, yeah, for uh, and a silent yeah, Jesse. A Jesse will go I, silent. Yeah, I will. I will <laughs> haunt the segment. That's right. Speaking of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, if you're a big fan of ghosts, look out yep. for the next segment uh-huh. and Jesse's presence there. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, we've got also. Did we say we'll be talking about the film Love and That's Mercy? That's right, Brian about Brian Wilson, directed by Bill Polad. Uh, yeah. a good movie that I saw seven years ago. Yes, came out in June of 2015. Uh, but first we've got. Just a little bit of news. No, we got a lot. Just of a little. News. We've got. So it's a much big news. news week, Jesse. I was looking. It's a at, big old news week. I was. I was. I was forgetting that all of the things we're going to talk about in this segment on news, because there's some little news to start with, but then there's also some big yeah. news. Uh, yes. So let's start with a couple of uh, 
announcements that pertain... News morsels? Yes, that pertain to when you might be able to see movies. Uh, One very specifically... uh, I apologize for saying the word morsels earlier. I know that's not a fun thing to hear always. I'm um, sorry. I don't mind morsels. It makes me think right. of uh, making chocolate chip cookies. Sure. They. It's. It, I have found it's often hard to find something... It's often hard to find regular-sized chocolate chips, so you end up with either right. big chocolate chunks or mini morsels. Mm-hmm. Which, I that's don't know, right. I think... I actually think the best the thing to do is... Cut up a chocolate bar, and then you get a variety sure. of textures. But sometimes yeah. you don't want to dirty up a cutting board. Look, look for our baking spinoff show with Jesse coming coming in in uh, let's say Q four twenty twenty six. Wow, you're you're giving me that mm. much lead in. I mean, you got to perfect your craft. You're you know. I mean, yeah, I'm. Uh, listen. Am I plotting a <laughs> course for my coming semester that is called Lunch? Yes. Uh, but on November 18th, uh, you'll be able yes. to see Andrew Bujelski's new film, There, There, in theaters, released by yeah. Magnolia Pictures. Uh, of course, a movie this... that I bought a virtual ticket to see at... Uh, Tribeca, and then they sent me an email that said, yoink! Just kidding. Uh, that was the subject line, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and as such, it has gone weirdly under the radar so far, yeah, I feel, I for feel like... uh, an Andrew Bujalski mm-hmm. movie who has yeah. made movies that have, like, yeah. broken through Sure, before. I mean, I don't think um, this will do that. It is... Uh... <laughs> It sounds like a very it's not on, it's not movie. it's not a support the girls level accessibility it's accessible movie. It's not. It's uh I would say if support the girls is like an 8 and computer chess is like a 4, this one sounds like maybe a 2. Wow. Uh, but, you know, Jason Schwartzman, Lily Taylor, sure. Molly Gordon, uh, it does sound yeah. quite interesting, and Magnolia did does, put out right. support the girls. So, sure. Does that put his script for Lady and the Tramp live action at a ten mm-hmm. as far as accessibility yep. goes? Yep. Probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll see that someday. Maybe I watched it around Disney Plus launch day, and I do not remember much of it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Cute dogs. Yeah, I like dogs. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other acquisition is with not a date yet, uh, though I would imagine we can expect it out this year, is that uh, Neon bought the Laura Poitras right. film, which we'll talk about right. later, is also... It's getting big uh, hype yeah, from the Fall Fest. Yep, it is in uh, TIFF Docs, it's the it's in Venice competition, it's the centerpiece at New York. It's not doing Telluride, because it's a North American premiere at uh, TIFF. Uh, TIFF. I do believe um, that for the first time in quite a while, it appears that there will be no movies doing all four of wow. Venice, uh, Telluride, TIFF, New York. I think the one yeah. that is doing... 
the latter three that also did Can is the Mia Hansen Love. So that's sure exciting for that. And I think there's plenty of others that are that are doing that three are doing of four. Three of four. And I think it's it's conceivable that Tar could be added to TIFF. And right. that is mm-hmm. that would do it that yeah. would do it because i it guess is, well probably it ha- yeah it has i believe it has no premiere status at new york which confirms telluride so right i believe i mean that would be cool yeah that's the one that's the one that maybe uh right but yeah and so i, I mean we've talked about like yeah f- like w- w- during the pandemic year they like all came out and like were united as being like we're all gonna share no man land or whatever <laughs> right. and made a yes. point of it. I um, I did not remember that, but you are correct. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that um, was not in line with their behavior before the pandemic, and it is even less in line with their behavior since then. I think especially yes. uh TIFF is just very, very Focused. Premier and on, exclusive yeah. uh, focused. Which, like, I... I don't know how much people actually... Ca- I, I don't know how much audiences care about that. Um, I... It, it's something that... I don't right, know. It's I mean, something that yeah, I get... Right, a, I find a lot of appeal well, in so for so, like, when I, I was think. attending... Toronto, not as press. It was like exciting. Mm-hmm. If there's like a movie that am I that I'm excited for that I can say I'm at the world premiere of, but I'm not gonna go premiere, right. see a movie because it is a world premiere. I just sure you know. I guess I don't know. Like I just naturally find myself having a hard time getting particularly excited about like Cannes or Berlin titles at fall festivals in any direction. Sure. Like it's it's usually not like what I'm like most excited about. I like seeing something early on mm-hmm. when it hasn't had a reaction cycle sure. as much and like Right, but like those uh, are, like those are the type of if it's, things that TIFF seemed like they could get anyway, you know. Right. They're not yeah. going to fail to get... They're not going to fail to procure the Raymond and Ray world premiere because they're programming more uh, Berlin and Cannes movies. And so I don't know. And, like, I think as far as press goes, like, if you're going to lots of film festivals, then it's great that this is one that has more premieres because there will be more stuff to see. If this is your one, which it likely is for me then it's like i would rather go to something that has that kind of festival of festivals vibe that they used to specifically cultivate and that i think at this point new york is doing a much better job of right and well i guess it's like in the festival calendar like tiff is i guess third but like very close to telluride and yeah. that, like, there's yes. overlaps. Right, with that's the, the, those three yeah. overlap. I mean, that's the other thing uh, is, like, if you were showing your movie at TIFF and it premiered at one of those other festivals, like, and, you know, if it's one of the, like, huge things, then there will be buzz, but, like, otherwise, there's not gonna be a ton out there right. about it. And, like, in general, I think even, like, right. smaller stuff. Like, I consistently forget that, like, when we saw Marriage Story at TIFF, it had already played Venice or yeah, whatever. Like right. I remember being like, like be feel like feeling the energy there yeah, that it was similar yeah. to like a world sure. premiere. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah. If if I like had a magic wand and could tell the festivals how to behave with each other or whatever, I guess I would say yeah. Like, don't focus as much about the fall fest over. Don't worry as much yes. about like what you overlap with with the other fall fest. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Uh, especially those first three. And then yeah, going back to uh, the Poitras documentary, which I will recall the name of when I see it in the TIFF docs lineup. Uh. I, the reason that I was saying that I assume it will probably come out this year is just because I assume if Neon is buying it, uh, they, right, they want to do an awards a, play with it. Yeah, I mean, she did Citizen Four. I feel like Citizen was, Four was nominated. Yeah, I, was I don't know say, if it I won. feel like there is maybe something else big that beat it. Um, and then I think that Julian Assange documentary. Uh, which Neon also had was maybe not timed oh, exceptionally won. well. It did win. Okay. Yes. So yeah. 2015's best doc feature. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think that is something to look out for. And who, I want to say that whoever put out Citizen Four might have been like an early version of Neon. Uh,. Like, I think it, it was, I feel like, like, I think at that point they were still... Well, because it was, it was HBO. It was HBO. And, but like, and it participant was, media and Praxis Films were the production companies. Right. Distributed by Radius TWC, the Weinstein oh, company. never mind then. Uh, <laughs> not true. I was thinking of... Everyone's favorite. Yep. Oh no, mm-hmm. the Weinstein company. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking of the... Their, I feel like there was a point early in the history of Neon where they were, like, using Draft House branding, because I think Tim League is behind both sure, of those right. entities. Sure, right. He was behind both. Yes, yeah. there's definitely a connection yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that that maybe didn't happen till the next year, because I think they had the Michael Moore documentary the following year. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah. Not involved with the uh, Citizen Four, uh, and so then uh, Lacarno. I think we're gonna have a little more talk about uh, next, next week, week, and there'll also be uh, there's a few Lacarno things that are at New York that will maybe mention. But I will just say uh, they they it did happen. The uh, awards were given out. The Golden Leopard was given to the. Brazilian film Rule 34 by uh, Julia Murat, which has been fairly controversial. Uh, and then uh, the the grand prize was given to a movie called Gigi the Law that's a, a, like a docufiction thing by... Uh, you might be Swiss. Uh, Alessandro Comedine. Uh, or maybe Italian. Uh, and then the other three awards, uh, the director and both of the, uh, uh, acting awards went to a film called I Have Electric Dreams. Uh, so yeah, just three movies because three of them went to one thing. Uh. And then, yeah, we've got uh, some more announcements from TIFF and That's New right. York. We're, yeah, as you listen, we are, if you listen to this on the day it's coming out, you know, we're uh, 
three days out or four days out from the TIFF schedule That's dropping right. on Tuesday, so, uh, 23rd. Right. Perhaps even the day this comes out, they'll announce their like stragglers that they're yeah, adding I mean, or maybe we, on Monday. I, I have written in here what, sure. what the, what is left, but as far as what they have announced so far, we got docs, we got contemporary world cinema and we got shorts this week. And I think they also like threw another movie into discovery I haven't really looked into that. Yep. Uh, But yeah, so uh, I don't know. In documentaries, I think The Poitras is... uh, The the, the marquee name there. Yeah, probably there is. I mean, there's also a new Werner Herzog, which it looks like is going to be at Telluride. And then they are showing three episodes uh, of Documentary Now. Yeah. In the documentary lineup, which which I think is very funny. I agree. That Um, is funny. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm not sure. Did they say which ones? I don't think I don't know so. If they did. But Kate Blanchett okay. is in the still on their website, sure. and the three directors they have listed are Alex Buono, Reese Thomas, and Micah Gardner. Uh, but sure. yeah, that's like I would say that is uh, if you're gonna show a few episodes of something, I think an anthology show makes a lot more sense than uh. Sure. Like just the showing the first of two episodes thing. of the kingdom. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's right. a thing where like, I mean, it's kind of in the same category as the Weird Al for, thing for me, where I'm like, I bet that will be a very fun public screening. I don't know if I would just right. go to a press going to a press screening it. is like yeah. Uh, but I'd be much more likely to go to the public screening of documentary now if I can fit it in because it's not going to be at midnight. Uh. Right. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Patricio Guzman is uh, a venerable Chilean director. Uh, his new movie, My Imaginary Country, mm-hmm. uh, premiered at Cannes out of competition. Those are the kind of right. big names. They've got uh, like industry conversations with Herzog and Poitras uh, and some other people. Uh, yeah. And then in contemporary world cinema, I think there's... Uh, a nice cross-section of stuff that I'm glad to see pop up. Uh, I'll just I'll just go through alphabetically and say what sticks out to me. Uh, After Sun from uh, Critics Week at Cannes, which Paul Mescal is in, a uh, mm-hmm. debut feature from Charlotte Wells. That's a it's, he's having a uh, he's yeah, having a big week because uh, his other movies tra- trailer. That's just right. Came out. I uh, I forgot to throw that in the news doc, but yeah, that's coming out uh, September thirtieth. Uh, and he's in. Yes. What's I mean, the title again? Uh, God's creatures, I believe. Anna right. Rose Homer and Silent Davis. Uh, yeah, that's one that might have been nice to see at TIFF, but now that it's coming out in September, I care right. less. Uh, yep. And yeah, that uh, A24 also has After Sun. Uh, Paul Meskel's mm-hmm. just fucking everywhere. Uh, and yeah, that's a North American premiere. I might have expected that. I, that seems like something that could have gone over well at Telluride, but sure. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, going down the list, uh, El Agua was a movie in Director's Fortnite at Cannes. I believe also a Definitely a debut fiction feature. Uh, the director, mm-hmm. Elena Lopez Riera, might have had uh, a 
a documentary feature. I can't remember. Uh, and then uh, EO. I think that's maybe one of the big things we've got in this section. Uh, they've got the opportunity now to bring those donkeys in, as we've recommended. Uh, yeah, EO, you gotta, you gotta make this happen. Yeah, I... It's a dynamite idea. I, listen, I... Don't know anything about how to drive a boat, but if you want to fly me out to Italy, Cameron Bailey, to I'm, help on the boat, I'm open to being the person who documents these donkeys uh, being taken. I don't, I, 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 I don't have to, I, I, I don't think I have any plans I couldn't cancel between now and TIFF. Um, sure. You just got to get there on time for the beginning. Of yes. Two. Yeah. So even right. if EO yeah, is playing I mean, like later gotta, in the fest, whether like, it's me or not, I think you've got to hurry up and get this into motion. But yeah. Yeah. We should maybe email a publicist or two about this. <laughs> Be my guest, Andy. I think that's a great idea. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, we've also got Godland, uh, which is a, uh, Uncertain Regard film by an Icelandic director, Hulnir Palmason. Uh, I think his last movie was in contemporary world cinema. The one before that, which was his debut, might have been in Discovery. So he seems to be in Toronto pretty good. This is a movie that I thought might be in the main slate at, uh, New York that isn't, so it's one of the few... Oh, good, I can see this because I'm in Toronto. Um, there's a world premiere of uh, a new film from Wang Shui, uh, The Hotel, who he's someone who like has been in competition at, I think, all of Venice and Berlin and Cannes. Uh, so that's another nice kind of get for them. Uh... I think that was shot. Uh, that I think that's like very much a pandemic movie. Um, they've got the Bill Nye uh, remake of uh, Ikiru, directed by Oliver Hermanis and written by uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Living. You've got a movie called Love and Mathematics, which I don't know anything about this movie. It's world premiering, but I'm into if it's actually that's about a, that's a title to get Jesse interested. If it's certainly. actually about math, then I'll go see it. That's right. If math is just like a metaphor, or yeah, no. But if there's like real math in this movie, uh, I'll be there. Yeah. Have you ever seen Proof, Jesse? No, I took an acting class once where, where you did some scenes I didn't from it, do yeah. any scenes from or it. Some, but some one of the one of the pairs yeah. was assigned. Proof it's a real that kind of play where like people will sure. pull a scene from it to do. Yeah, an and I don't class. think yeah. there was any math in that particular scene, but I know sure. that's a math thing. And yeah, there is yeah. some math in it, and uh, sure. I like uh, there's I remember right, but the movie's yeah. not um, supposed to be very good, right? The movie's not, I don't like the play very much, for, sure. to be honest, okay. but, uh, 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 yeah, the movie's not, not a great representation of it either. Okay. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, I, the one joke I always remember is, like, there's someone who, like, they talk about math rock or whatever, <laughs> and it's like, there's a band who has a song called I, and then they just don't play anything, because it's an imaginary number. 
or whatever, or so, something like that. I may have it wrong. Sure. It's something to do I, with like an imaginary number. No, and then they just you're right silent. that I is an imaginary number. I don't think that um, not playing anything is a good way to represent musically what <laughs> the concept I, of imaginary yes. numbers are. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's not imaginary in that it doesn't exist. It's. It's imaginary as opposed to real, but real a real number is a very specific sure. thing. Right. Um, I send all notes to David Auburn. Also, apologies if I misremembered that joke completely <laughs> in that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Love Life is a movie that is in competition at Venice. Uh, showing up here, directed by Koji Fukada, who has had. I, he, he had a movie called Harmonium that won Uncertain Regard uh, a number of years ago, uh, and I, I has played other festivals then, but I think this is his first time in competition at one of the big three. Uh, Carlos Vermut is a director who uh, I found really interesting. I just kind of happened upon one of his movies called... Um, Magical Girl that came out in 2015, several years ago, uh, and I like that movie a lot, and then I saw another movie that he did that I believe I was at the world premiere of at TIFF, uh, called Quien Te Cantara, uh, which I didn't love, uh, but I'm interested in this, called Manticore, it's about, like, a video game designer, um, he is, like, he's a Spanish director, and there's, like, definitely some, like, uh, you can, like, see some Almodovar influence. There's also some, like, uh, almost, like, Wes Anderson-y vibes, uh, but more of the darkness of Almodovar. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I, I am interested to check that out, even if I'm not as excited as I was for Kente Contra after not being as into that. And also, like, you know, saw that in the middle of the festival, I think. Since then, I've gotten better at getting the proper amount of sleep at festivals so that I can appreciate the films I'm seeing. It is, uh, under-discussed. Yeah. Uh, this aspect of film festivals. Yeah. Um... Return to Dust was in Berlin competition uh, by Lee Rui Jun. Um, one of the only Chinese films at the festival, which I think was noted only because I think until this was announced, there were no Chinese films at the festival and had not been a Chinese film at a film festival at like a big one possibly since this premiered at uh Berlin. I know there was one there was an animated film that was supposed to be in director's fortnight that I think couldn't get through the censors. Uh there also there are so far zero Russian films playing Toronto. Uh mm. I uh you know, if they don't think there are any Russian films worth showing, then that's fine, but I do think there are probably uh, 
films. What's going on with Tchaikovsky's wife? Is that is that just sitting on a <laughs> yeah, shelf I mean, right, right now? That's What's going the thing on? is like <laughs> none of the North American festivals have ever been interested in showing Sarah Brennikov. Um Sure. Like Leto the student uh, no. The student was before. The new one is uh, Petrov's flute was before Tchaikovsky's wife. Uh, yeah, like, I, neither TIFF or New York or Telluride showed either of those movies. Um, but I don't know, like, you might think that people would be more interested in seeing the new Alexander Sokorov movie, and I, you know, it. it seems to me that there are other countries where we do not agree with the leadership and we continue to program their films. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Right. I wonder we'll how, how much how it this, is like, uh, a, right. How much it is just a conscious political statement. Right. Which is like, it's certainly possible. Just like, and like, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any Russian movies. Yeah. In, Someone uh, should ask the programmers about it. Honestly, I mean, like if I would, it, yeah, people. I know people were asking Fromo about it. Barbera was asked about it. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know that Cameron Bailey has like done an interview. Has given an interview since. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yes, I think it would Maybe be interesting to see what he said. I I would imagine it would just he'd say a similar thing of like I'm not right totally close. Like I don't think there's any Venice either. I assume he'd say a similar thing. Just like I'm not totally close to it, but I'd have to feel strongly that I want to show it. And there are right. I know there's at least the um the Ukrainian movie that premiered at Cannes uh by a director uh who was killed in Ukraine, uh Mariupolis two. That's in Tiff Docs as well. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh will be interesting to see how that continues to play out. Uh RMN is a can competition movie, Christian Munju, uh Romanian new wave director. Uh, Emilio saw that movie, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he had yes, much to I say about it. Yes, I think he had it. a mixed reaction yeah, to it. Yeah, I think so. Um, one of the, what I feel is the most, uh, incoherent programming decisions I have ever seen. Uh, so they are showing, you know, and we're like, we, y'all get, it's clear why they did it, but it makes no sense, is, uh, so they have the world premiere of... Ulrich Seidel's new film, Sparta, uh, which I think we I mentioned was in competition at San Sebastian. Uh, but this film... So, Ulrich Seidel had a movie in Berlin competition earlier this year. I think at the time that that movie came out, there was a thing of like, oh yeah, he's had a movie in production for a long time. He's split it into two movies. This is the first one. And indeed, even the TIFF programming notes confirm this is a diptych with uh, Ramini is the other movie. Uh, But they are only showing this one. Uh, Despite the fact that Ramini will not have been released in North America by the time TIFF happens. I think it does have a distributor in the U.S. who is has, like, a couple of screenings listed on their, or, like, cities listed on their website for later in the fall. But, uh, this just seems sure. like a very, you know, I guess it's because they have the world premiere. 
But, you know, that like same thing with like they're right. showing the Hong there at the world premiere, but this just seems I, I it doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. Uh yeah. also a thing I would love to ask one of the programmers about. Uh Right. Then that someone should. Uh and then yeah. Stonewalling, uh, I mentioned last week, uh was listed as a US premiere in uh the New York Film Festival uh, main slate uh, Mm -hmm. is premiering at Venice Days. Uh, I've seen people tweeting that it's an interesting one, so on my list to check out. Um, And then the other, they also have the world premiere of another movie that is going to be in competition at San Sebastian, uh, which is the new Christophe Honore, uh, who I like. Uh, it's called Winter Boy. Uh, mm-hmm. The the lead is a, a teenage... I think his name is Paul Kierker. Uh, it sounds like it's like an autobiographical thing, but uh, Juliette Binoche and uh, Vincent Lacoste from Irma Vep. Uh, and also from both of Honore's previous two films are both in it. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got this movie that was added to Discovery, uh, Bruiser yep. by Miles Warren. Um, As a world premiere? Yeah, it looks like it's show. I, I just Googled it. It's showing up that uh, he made a short uh, that was a... South by Southwest sure. and Sundance last year. Um, mm-hmm. So, I guess if you're interested in this movie, you can get an idea of what might be going on with it, because the short appears to be online. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah, we've also got shorts, which there are... You know, not a ton of yeah. Uh, I didn't. None of the names popped out at me. There's a few. But I'm lo- much less versed sure. in this stuff. Yeah. Than so you. there's there's a few. I mean, the I think the bigger names in the shorts were in the wavelength shorts, which we talked about sure. uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, there's a few. Um, the Alicia Rohrwalker, her short was at Cannes, sure. and she's uh, she did uh, Happy as Lazaro, uh, right. The Wonders, both in Cannes competition. She's also got a new movie that is in the works, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the two big world premieres that they have uh, are both Canadian directors who... I am not personally familiar with, but I know we have friends who really like both of them. Uh, Matthew Rankin, who had a feature in Midnight Madness, um, Mm -hmm. a couple, maybe, I think in 2019, uh, Mm -hmm. and then Sophie Romvari, who is very popular. I think there's a series of her movies on the Criterion channel right now. Excuse me. Uh, her movie's called It's What Each Person Needs. The ranking is called Municipal Relaxation Module. Uh, the Rohrwacher's called Le Pupil. Uh, there's, I don't know, like, there's there's a 
few that, like, have kind of famous people in them, I think. Um, like, Honor Swinton Byrne is in one of them. Um, maybe that's the only... They have, like, sure. a list. Of, they Yeah, they, they, they go through a few highlights in the press release that... Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, they, uh, if you like shorts, check out some shorts. They, right? it's not something, uh, it's, yeah. you know, I... Shorts program, yeah. Yeah. Always, like, it's, like, fun to, if you can fit it in, I think it's, like, always, it's, you know, if, especially if you like that thing of, like, not really being sure of what you're right. gonna get next yes. or whatever, or, yeah. like, trying to discover something, like, that's one of the front lines of how to do that yep yep certainly and like yeah i you know i personally would be more apt to go to the wavelength shorts but like if any of those sound interesting to you uh those are also options and again like i i certainly know people who really like both uh rankin and ramvari and sophie ramvari is someone who mostly works in shorts uh and so then we also have what should be the remainder of the new films that will be at New York Film Festival. Uh, they do still have the revival section to an be announced, uh, but they've announced right. both uh, Spotlight and Currents. I think in right. uh, Spotlight, I think the big things are... Um, Bones and All, the Luca Guadagnino, Women Talking, mm -hmm. the Sarah Polly. They they are showing the entirety of the Kingdom Exodus, uh, like Venice. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then uh, I think she said, "Yeah, I think I mentioned that something in my throat." <clears throat> I believe I mentioned that the Ann Thompson has been saying that she right. said it's going to world premiere there. Uh, and we also know, we knew that Till is going to, uh, there's also right. a bunch they, of docs, uh, which, yeah. there were a few last year, though not so many, uh, and, you know, right. like, of different, uh, kind of, uh, levels of profile, there's, uh, one that Scorsese co-directed that's about, uh, it's like a David Johansson performing as Buckster Poindexter, concert film uh there's one about robert downey senior uh that's by the director of american movie uh and it seems like was shot before his death uh and they they, they the description describes it as a collaboration between uh the director and then both robert downey senior and junior um and then, yeah, more docs. I know I said last week that I felt like uh, uh, a solid guess was the Ethan Cohen Jerry Lee Lewis documentary. They're not touching that one. Um, wow, must be stinky. It, I, it was not. I, I did not hear... It was not particularly yeah, well-received at Cannes. I did Can, not hear right? anyone like, at yeah. Cannes who was like, this is actually really interesting. Um, right. I A twenty four's got it. We'll see. Uh and then yeah, Currents. I think a very exciting slate of films. Fifteen features, forty four shorts. Uh certainly not gonna talk about all the shorts. Uh 
let's see how quickly I can, I, I, I probably won't talk, I, I don't think I can talk about every one of these features, especially because. No, I would strongly encourage you not yeah, to. <laughs> I will. Uh, so let's, let's, I'll try and do some, basically I will say all of these look interesting to me. Uh, I have seen two, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but the, the opening film uh, yes. is Will of the Wisp, which is also in right. Wavelength. Which we talked about. Yes, Emilio saw it. Uh, it's also in Wavelengths at Toronto. Uh, sounds like a lot of fun uh, from Directors Fortnite. Uh, it's got an amazing press still. It is. It's a good still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so... Going through some highlights, uh, Coma is, I think, the best movie that I've seen this year, uh, by Bertrand Bonello. Uh, it is the same lead as, uh, Zombie Child, which we both saw at Director's Fortnite, uh, but I think it is much, sure. much better than that movie. Uh, it's a much stranger movie, uh, it... It, yeah. it he he frames it with a couple of uh bits that he narrates in which he dedicates uh the film to his daughter and he's kind of just explore uh, who's you know the age of that character and it's just kind of exploring uh coming of age in lockdown uh uh, yeah, I drop a lot of, uh, uh, very names of big directors and other artists who it made me think of. I, it really is just, like, there, there's, I haven't seen anything that exciting in a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the other one that I've seen, which we'll talk about more next week, uh, which was at Locarno, is, uh, Helena Whitman's film, Human Flowers of Flesh, uh, starring Angelica Papulia from, uh, Dogtooth. I think, I think I read that it's her first non-Greek movie since The Lobster. Um, and yeah, sure. Denis Levant is in it, and it is very much kind of playing off, uh, Beau Travai, which is a, uh, ballsy thing to do, and it very much pulls it off. Uh, the winner of, uh, Encounters, uh, at Berlin, which is also where Coma premiered, uh, Mutzenbacher, a documentary by Ruth Beckerman, uh, which is about, like, a bunch of old men reading <laughs> a, uh, reading excerpts. It's not a... just old men, it seems. It's a, the it description says a vast group of men from teenage uh, to non okay. I guess, yeah, the, the still is old men, but I guess lots of men reading, uh, uh, from a very controversial 20th century, uh, novel called, or is it a novel or a memoir? I, I can't tell. Anyway, it's, it is called Josephine Mutzenbacher, or the story of a Viennese whore as told by herself. Uh, that uh, sounded interesting. Yeah, another terrific press still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just four old guys uh, in various levels of uh, formal, formal clothes mm -hmm. sitting on a ratty pink couch mm -hmm. uh, in a, looks like a some sort of cinder block building. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Queens of the Qing Dynasty from that same section at Berlin, uh, also playing Wavelengths at, uh, 
Toronto uh, Canadian director uh, Ashley McKenzie. I am curious to see that. Um, there's a, a short from Be Gone, which was also at Cannes. It is about a cat uh, that is preceding the movie that I think the, the the movie that I knew the least about, there's one other that I hadn't heard of, but I knew the director, and they just wasn't known that he'd made a new movie. Uh, but the, the Remote by Mika Rottenberg and Mayad Tusi. Uh, Rottenberg, it seems like, is like uh, more of a, like a gallery artist, uh, though she has some shorts that are on Letterboxd. Uh, but this is a feature film. Uh, I can't, I, like, I can't even tell where it premiered. Uh, the, con the Museum of Contemporary Art is showing it in L.A. before New York, which is why it doesn't have any kind of premiere status. Uh, but I, I don't know where it premiered, because that's just listed as a U.S. premiere. Um... And then, yeah, the one world premiere, uh, feature, anyway, that they have is, uh, Heinz Emigholtz, who had a couple movies at Berlin in 2020, uh, mm. that were both also in Currents. Uh, this one's called Slaughterhouses of Modernity. He, uh, his, his thing is just, like, uh, uh, cinematic explorations of architecture. Uh, I wasn't able to catch either of those movies, uh, in 2020. But I'm curious yep. about him. Um, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, they've got the, uh, I think I mentioned there's a documentary that won Fid Marseille called The Unstable Object 2, uh, that is quite long that they have. Uh, and then, yeah, some, uh, highlights from, in terms of, like, the big directors who have shorts, as I said, uh, Be Gone has the short that's preceding Remote, uh, there's a Radu Jude film that premiered at Berlin, I believe, uh, that they said will be preceding uh, one of the revivals, which they'll announce when they announce revivals next week. Uh, Nicholas Pereira had a feature in Terrence in 2020 called Fauna that I thought was really excellent. And then uh, I talked with him on this podcast last year uh, about his short film, Dear Chantal, that was at Wavelengths. Um... And then, yeah, there's other, like, people who are, like, yeah, that's a avant-garde name that I recognize. Um, Sylvia Shettlebauer, Mary Helena Clark, uh, Joshua Jen Salons, I think, in a movie there last year. Uh, Danny and Sheila Restack. Uh, there's a Ben Russell. Uh... I, I don't know if I'll ever get Ben Russell and Ben Rivers straight, even though I've seen movies by both of them. I think Ben Rivers has a movie in Wavelengths. Uh, they did also bring back um, the New York Shorts program, which uh, they used as uh, like an opening night 
uh, supplement uh, in 2020, the first year that they had Currents. Uh, and they didn't do last year. Uh, but they're listing it as Program 9, which I assume means they'll show it last. Um, Sarah Friedland had a movie in that New York Shorts program uh, in 2020, and now that I think about it, they might have listed it as Program 8 in 2020, uh, but yeah, so they, they're up to nine programs now. Mark Jenkin also has, uh, he's a, a British filmmaker, but I guess made this movie in New York, who has a feature, Ennis Men, in the main slate, uh, and yeah, I think Oh, I forgot the thing that I put a pin in, which is that... Uh, so that's all I had to, that That's, I think, all I have to say about New York mm-hmm. uh, for now. I think, you know, uh, they did, they've done a good job, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, like, Currents is definitely, like, there's more, like, name directors than there were last year. I think it was really just Miguel Gomes, Gomez, uh, who co-directed... Sugula Diaries, uh, which opened, and then they have Rodriguez opening, those are both directors' fortnights, but there are more names beyond that, that, you know, Benella's a big name. Right. Helena Whitman's, like, someone who people were kind of excited about, even though this is their second feature, I think her previous feature had been it, new directors, new films, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that, that, but anyway, I, we, we were gonna talk about with Tiff, uh, what is left is that, yeah, yes. if you look at, like, the categories on their website, it doesn't appear that there's going to be a special events category this year, uh, mm. which <laughs> in previous years had just kind of been, like, uh, a lot Talks of, like, yeah, or a lot and... of, like, music documentaries where a famous person will either do a sure, Q&A would, like, do or a, a couple concert, songs or, yeah. Like... Yeah. Uh, last year they used it as like, uh, this is stuff that we're only gonna show, uh, in person. And so there was like right. big stuff, Memoria and, and Dune and Spencer. Right. And we should say they have announced a bunch of what they is did. going to be available they also digitally did that. this year. You can look at that um, on Which is on the website. website. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe it'll probably be like previous years where it is restricted to Canadian geographically so. yes. people. I think yes. I saw uh wolf walkers through them because that was one of the ones that was not restricted to canada mm. geographically mm-hmm. but yeah last year um, everything was but last year everything was so that'll yeah. probably but uh but yeah, any canadian listeners yeah, feel free to check that out 24 now. movies from a cross-section of segments uh but yeah. Then, yeah, i think almost know, every section is represented except for like galas maybe like yeah that seems right or uh, prime time like there's a couple that aren't sure but, but, like, yeah, there's a couple of the Wavelength things. Um, yeah, and so then... Uh, but what they do have that, I guess, maybe is replacing special events is they have Festival Street as a category, so maybe that's, like, outdoor events of some sort. Sure. Uh, obviously, they have the Festival Street, which they did not block off. Usually, it's just the first weekend. Yeah, it's, it's just... It. Or, like, the Thursday through Sunday uh right yeah they didn't do it last year uh but they're bringing it back i hope that bubbly is back that was uh 
A great little perk is you could just walk down the street and grab a can of bubbly anytime you wanted. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, the TIFF Cinematheque is their uh, retrospective features. Uh, right. They they actually posted a trailer for a guy a restoration of a Guy Madden film on YouTube that I assume is part of that. Um, sure. And you know, like he, if he's gonna be there, that might be a fun thing to go to. Uh, I like him. I haven't seen this is like from nineteen eighty eight, so a very early movie of his, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything back that far. Uh. And then, yeah, the only other stuff is that there'll presumably be some additions to uh, special presentations and galas. I think galas, there's really right. only a couple of slots left, because they do two a day, uh, generally. Right. Uh, special presentations, there could be any number. It's whatever we they really want. Know. Yeah, right. Uh, but that's, um, you know, they're... Last year, I think the, like, big things in that second round of special presentations and galas were Power of the Dog and The Humans. Uh, those were at least sure. the only two that I saw. So, you know, right. if we get a couple of things in that On sort that level, of... that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, something... Yeah, I don't know... You know, I think at that point we were kind of wondering, like, oh, is The Humans going to come out this year? Uh, right, because it I, ended up only playing TIFF, right? And yeah, then, it was like it played some and like then they really boffed it. <laughs> yeah, they threw it up on uh, Showtime on Showtime, and no one talked about it. Yeah. And like it got a great reception out of TIFF. Yeah, we talked about it. It's like a good bunch. movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Go watch it. Yeah, please. it's on Showtime still. I think like go watch it. Yeah, y'all, you Yellow Jackets people who subscribe <laughs> for Yellow Jackets, go watch the humans. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it. First Lady fans I, like me who watch the First Lady. I believe the that they did, if you haven't already, I, I think all of the uh, First Lady fans have canceled their uh, show the protest of the protest. No Season 2 yeah. pickup. Uh, I believe it, they did it like a drive-in screening of it in New York as part of the New Yorker Festival, is my memory. Sure. Uh, not that it necessarily. I, not that it. I mean, ma- ma- that's that's the right York, crowd for that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but so yeah. So I don't know. I don't know necessarily what the like. Where's this? Uh, is this year? Right. I, mean, I guess like, we're looking out for Tar. Right. You said earlier. Tar like, that's is a something. Blonde is would be my guess. Bl- right. For what it is, I heard that Netflix is like scheduling jar press junkets in toronto for like the later part of the festival uh with you know they Mm -hmm. could just screen it for toronto press but would make more sense if they're showing it at tiff uh but yeah tar would also be possible i think armageddon times uh premiere status doesn't right preclude it but it could also just be telluride right I did scoop from a rival podcast today. I was listening to Little Gold Men today, and they were talking about Armageddon Time at New York, and um, I believe David Canfield said he had heard that it had been substantially re-edited since the Cannes premiere. Which is interesting. Uh, It was well-liked. Because it was pretty well-received, but, like, I could see James Gray being like, I want to tinker some more or whatever. Like, I'm sure 
I don't, yeah, um, I don't but, think um, I've heard of him doing that before. I don't know. I, and I would be like, especially as we know, like Emilio yeah. saw the original mm-hmm. cut. Like, I'd be interested to see, like, what has yeah. changed. But, uh, and so, yeah, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, as far as, like, stuff that, like, I guess there's other A24 stuff that, like, they could throw in. Um, uh, like, Past Lives is something that shot a while ago, uh, that's also a debut film from a playwright, uh, Celine Song, though not based on one of her plays, uh, with Greta Lee and Teo Yu and, uh, John Magaro, Magaro, uh, but that could also easily be at Sundance, as could, like, uh, there's the Iris Axe movie, but that would make sense at Sundance and or Berlin, so there is, like, stuff that could pop up as, like, oh, this is a world premiere that, uh, they're throwing in, but there's nothing obvious, necessarily. Uh, so yeah, hopefully there's a few new things to get excited about next week, uh, when we get that scheduled. we'll bring that to you next week. Yep. And, boy, next week's gonna be exciting schedule. Uh Uh-huh. I mean... There's not really, I, like, doing a podcast episode about the schedule is going to be, like, <laughs> right. I mean, kind there, of, like... Yeah, there'll be, well, yeah, I mean, but, we'll we'll talk about Locarno next week as well. We'll talk right. about uh, probably revivals, depending on when that gets but it is it, it is the most exciting thing about pe- for people who are actually going <laughs> yeah, to the festival I mean, to, like, look at the schedule yeah, and God, see when, what can I actually we get in. Yeah, I mean, there's the moment when we get Tiffer, but there's also the hour to two hours before we get Tiffer, where, where everyone's just, just like tweeting spread- at Tiffer, yeah. being like, what's going well, on? no, I'm like- not going to be tweeting at Tiffer. I'll be making a spreadsheet uh, that gets mm-hmm. thrown away as soon as uh, Tiffer as starts. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, look forward to that, and if you're going to Tiff, uh, then look forward to it even more. Uh, and say yeah. hi. And I wish... Right, absolutely. Say hi to us. Uh, currently, actually, currently, if you're listening to this right now, I don't know if submissions are still open, but uh, next week, Emilio is going to do a solo segment right. where if you tweet him your letterbox, he sent a tweet, we retweeted it, so look for it in our feed recently. Uh, if if you want uh, a, a TIFF recommendation personalized based on your letterbox, Emilio will do it for you. Just reply to him with your letterbox yeah. to all our listeners. I bet it'll be better than the last time... We did a solo segment, which I happened to have listened to a little excerpt of uh, the other day, in which while discussing the uh, Maryland Film Festival in 2020, I tell an anecdote about uh, going to the grocery store, and on the way home, one of the bags broke, uh, and it was very annoying. I don't know why I felt... (laughs) That that story was relevant, but you can check. And who that knows why you thought out. it? You should have brought it up again. Now, <laughs> uh, we gotta set expectations for what a solo segment sure. of this podcast looks like. Can be, even if they right. will be uh, exceeded with flying colors. Yes, yes. Uh, um, but until then, but yeah, uh, I uh, will. Uh, Head out. Go to our next segment. Yep. Bye. Wouldn't it be nice? And we're back. (laughs) Yeah. 
we're back to talk about Love and Mercy. Bill yes. Polad's 2014, uh, 2015 film? 2014. Festival, I think. Falls, and then 2015 festival. actual and release. Then, um, 2015. Right. It was like a late summer. It was like an August release, right? Where I think, wasn't it? Something like that. I believe so. Um... Uh, Jesse our... and Jesse is here, although not audible because she is traveling. But I will convey what she's saying from time to time in this segment. And she believes it all played only Tiff in 2014. It was a Tiff exclusive sure. uh, back then, uh, and then did not pop up, pop back up until Berlin in 2015. And then it came out in June, not August. So I was off by two months. Okay. Yeah, but you know it's a slow rollout. Um, it might have gotten around to you by sure. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah, it is like, yeah, it's an it's, it's an interesting uh, route for a music biopic to take, right? Like off, like usually, like a music biopic, especially of like someone who is music as iconic as the Beach Boys, like you get your Bohemian Rhapsody, your Rocket Man's, your Elvis's, like that kind of like big like you're gonna hear the music you love sort of rollouts. Yeah, um, this was pre that like this, this but seemed, then this is also. Because I weirdly think the one who started the this like trend, this like current trend of it, might have been like straight out of Compton, and I think that was sure. Mm-hmm. Also, that was the same yeah, year. That was, I believe, tw- that was right? 2015. Was like, Talking about Giamatti being like basically the same part in both yeah. of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I feel I guess there's slight differences, but they are both. He's both. He's the like problem of the musician in both of them. He's sort of the downfall. Yeah. No, I guess he's not the downfall, and I guess we can get into it in Love and Mercy. He's more of like yeah. an exploiter of what the problems are than what the right. problems are. But yeah, Love and Mercy about Brian Wilson's life. We get bifurcated into two parts: one with Paul mm-hmm. Dano playing a young Brian Wilson as he navigates the early success of the Beach Boys, and then like his struggles to make them into a more artistic entity while they just want to be popular. Right. And then in the later years, John Cusack uh, is sort of trying to, he sort of is living under the thumb of Paul Giamatti. Who's what's his, we, we talked Dr. Dr. Eugene Landy. Landy. (laughs) (laughs) Andy's making faces right now. Yeah. He's giving us dirty looks. <laughs> giving Cullen a hard stare. Paddington style. Yeah. He's, um, uh, he's sort of posing as sort of his doctor slash, I don't know, caretaker. Right. To yeah. manager, manager yeah, right sort away. of being controlling over every aspect of his life, including who he, who or, or he is or is not allowed to see. What type of music he's allowed to make and release, or what right. schedule, and it just like balances those two timelines back and forth, and it until it tells a story. Right. Well, then also he Dating, starts, uh, yeah, uh, a relationship with Elizabeth Banks, um, as Melinda Ledbetter, yeah, um, who was a Cadillac saleswoman that he like met and develops this relationship, and she's sort of sees the cracks and like what Giamatti is doing and is the one who is able to kickstart getting him out of his care. Right. Uh, but we should also say quickly that uh, this is part of our sort of um, yeah 
looking back at directors who have movies at current festivals and seeing what else they've done. Bill Polad has a movie, Dream and Wild, I think is that it what is. it's called? Uh, about Donnie and Joe Emerson that is also using the sort of split narrative, it seems, with a younger version of the Emerson Brothers and older. Uh, so I am excited to see that, and especially excited to see it if we can get into our feelings of the movie. I thought this <laughs> thing was great. <laughs> I was uh, not, like, surprised, because I felt like there was a... like. Obviously, a world where it could be good. You didn't see I, it back I mean, when it came out. I know I missed it when it, when it came out. Um, and then it doesn't really have like a strong reputation. I feel like people liked it at the time, and I guess yeah. the conversation was mostly that Dano was really good. Right. I mean, Banks yeah, was there, really good. Right. There was a certain amount of like people were lobbying for individual performances to get awards attention at the end of that year. And that was like a thing that people could point out as like people, it was a common, like that was the real snub. Like there's someone, I feel like Dano is the king of just like, Ooh, you know who we, who should, who we should be talking about this year. Right. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, maybe it'll happen with Fable. But, um, yeah, exactly. Wildlife. But, but it's like, um, it, it, it weirdly doesn't have like a reputation as like you don't see it mentioned often, but I think it's like very good and very well directed on Polets, and I think all of the like recording studio scenes are very well directed and like mm-hmm. feel great. There's a great energy to them, and then um, I think like uh, Banks is great and Giamatti's great. And Dano's like fun, but I feel like Cusack's the crazy standout here, who is like incredible as this like muddied mind, like of mm-hmm. drug induced, like right. walking coma Brian Wilson, and like playing the sort of like fear and like uh, I don't even know, like like his fidgety like personality, right? Like, like paranoia, like yeah, yeah, and just that sort of constant feel. Of everything that just like slides to like sheer panic or mm-hmm. pure like comatose state, where there's like that one scene where she's walking in the house and you hear Giamatti screaming at him and he's just like fully drooling at the piano bench. It's really uh, intense. Yeah, and uh, uh, the that but, first I mean, yeah. scene is very striking. How it opens with him at the Cadillac and they're just talking, and right? Just like how he's catching right. her off guard and she's like doesn't know what's happening but it's he's sort of like instantly sympathetic in a way that she attaches to yeah i mean i saw this movie like a year ago no no i would say like six months ago maybe just like on a whim because i i've like heard decent things but as colin said it's not nobody's like love and mercy one of the best movies of the 2010 nobody's agitating for it that hard but i was always curious and i i'm sort of a beach boys fan like i'm not gonna say i like am deep into it but it, i've basically never heard a beach boy song i don't like but uh we don't need to get into that that hard but uh i just enjoy that style of surf rock so i was sort of like in the tank for just being like hey let's see brian wilson what's up let's see what love of mercy is and yeah i was i was struck by it, similar to colin just like how well directed it is just like how it communicates because from the outside, you can see it sort of being it either falling into the typical uh, biopic traps or it just being it just like getting at nothing because Brian Wilson was this like famously like sort of like inward 
like shy elusive person and sort of just trying to mm-hmm. communicate it like struggling at trying to communicate like his creative process and what that meant for him and how did he feel about all of this but it sort of does a great job i mean it has like two very good performances who managed to like really carry that of just like you you do get they know does a good job at like selling like what was so creatively interesting about him what was different about him but also like how at some point he might have been a person who just gelled with the band and made sense and then Cusack sort of gets to sort of all that genius trapped behind you know his own like that his own problems combined with what Dr. Landy has been feeding him Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, the, I think, yeah, the, the G-Money performance in particular is really interesting, especially the way it bl- fuses with the Cusack performance, because, like, he talks, like, he said, like, in his, like, his first, like, solo meeting with Elizabeth Banks, where he's like, I really, like, need to, like, sit down and, like, tell you, like, Brian has, like, a lot of problems or whatever, and, like, he talks about how he's, like, child a child in an adult's body, and, like, you get what he's talking about, like having seen yeah. Cusack like interact with, especially with with Elizabeth Banks previously. Like you get that ch- like child trapped in adult's body energy, and like you know how much that is a result of what Doctor Landy is feeding him. Like versus like his own, just his on like dealt with trauma versus like what like there's like I'm sure there's a whole mix of all that together that is result that is the what is resulting in this in this behavior and this mindset um but yeah it's it's really yeah it's a it's a fascinating look and i do think like yeah the other bold choice it makes is by using this bifurcated structure it skips like the middle part where he's at his lowest right like it like you hear about like him lying in bed for three years uh and like not having the energy or the motivation or the you know being in a deep depression and so many other mental health having suffered through many other mental health issues uh but you know you don't get to see him at that point in his life because you know the cusack character is past that moment and then the dano is leading up to it like we have he doesn't get there um which i think like it's a good choice because it avoids like a lot of the histrionics that you would normally see in a music biopic like this like you can just picture the montage of like the -the over-the-top montage uh i walk hard style right where he's like he needs more blankets and less blankets and uh but uh, yeah, I, I yeah I, I I like the structure a lot. I think it, it the the jump back and forth is good. And yeah, the the music creation is just like it's really cool to see him, like and like it's like cliche like still like and especially like Bill Camp plays his dad yeah. and like that's yeah. like a very rote like music biopic character where it's like mm-hmm. he's he's been fired by by the by the band and he takes his revenge by selling their songs and he's like they're not going to be worth anything anyway like no one's going to listen to the beach boys and whatever like um uh but yeah it's it's uh it's it's but seeing him like create in how his genius was specifically creating stuff in a recording studio with session musicians i think is like it's a really like interesting way of thinking about music that is not the traditional way that i think about music certainly but it is like interesting to see him like craft it that way well what do you think of the beach boys Andy? i mean i don't like i certainly am not like putting on 
the Beach Boys in any phase, like, as I'm, like, cleaning my house or anything, like, um, but, like, it's, they seem fun, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't object to them, like, when I hear them, I, you know, the, like, pet sounds and the more experimental stuff is, like, I maybe am a little more resistant to it, but I I can't say I've, like, like, I dislike it, really, I don't think, but, like, it's probably not necessarily my cup of tea. But yeah, they they seem fine. Like I get like I sort of get why they are exciting to people and why people like them, especially like yeah, with that like that arc of them from like the easy listening like hey, we're all having a good time sort of like harmonies to like the crazy harmonies where it's like musically complex and like one one piano is playing in D while everyone else is playing in A minor, like that sort of stuff that the music, movie gets into uh is like yeah go for it like really like push the push the form forward like especially like yeah if you're if you're recording music in this way like take advantage of that and like really do stuff that you can't necessarily do as well when you're just when you're performing live or or whatever like craft craft something in the studio i think that's like it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting way to make music that um that I, I, you know, it's, it's, you don't learn it in school. Like I took music theory in high school and like, you don't learn about how to like record stuff and right. Yeah. And put like whatever, like you learn about like chord structures and you learn about like counterpoint and things like that, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a thing where I think a lot of music biopics, they like, they like work really hard to be like, this person was really good at music and I think what I appreciate about Love and Mercy, especially, like, the they know sections. I guess both sections have them, but, but it's, like, it communicates how much Brian Wilson clearly loved the music, where he's, where he's, like, the scene where he's, like, so excitedly talking about the Beatles and what they're doing and how, like, that sort of, like, ends up inspiring Pet Sound with how, you know, he wants to make an album that is, like, holds together and is as an album and is impressive in that way and or when like when he's at the sessions and when he get like get, is getting like excited about bringing these musicians in and being like this guy he's like the best like oboe player in the world and i'm like yeah this is so great to have this guy here to just make my music uh i don't know there's just like a lot of stuff i, I think it looks great it has a great look yeah it really looks uh gorgeous um, Wes Anderson's guy shot it. Um, I, I can't think of his name. Right now. Um, yeah, Robert Yeoman. Yeah, 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 Robert Yeoman. Um, and it looks gorgeous. Um, especially I think those Dano scenes where they're like leaning into the sort of sixties, fifties film grain aesthetic. Yeah, a lot um, of stuff at pools. I love a pool, so a lot of good pool scenes where they're yeah. having the meeting at the pool, uh, and he's just like, "Wait, that seems so." Yeah. It's, like, stressful but funny. Uh, I believe Jake Abels is the guy who plays Mike Love, and he's, like... He's a very good Mike Love, like, playing the most evil guy. Or not the most evil guy. That's, uh, I guess, Landy's uh, territory. But, like, just playing somebody who's, like, purely sinister, almost like a cartoonish villain that is, like... We all know Mike Love is like <laughs> everyone hates him from the Beach Boys. He's like a punchline of an awful guy, and in this, he's just like a sniveling, like Josh Lucas and fucking Ford versus Ferrari, <laughs> like purely evil. And it's just, I think he's he's uh he's really funny in it. Um, and just being like, like just the classic, like, why are you doing this? Like, we make so much money. Why would you make something different? 
Yeah. He's like, no one wants to fucking try this over and over again. Like, just let us do Surfing Safari 2. <laughs> yeah. Though I think that that's uh, I, one scene I where think... I think you sort of get it a little. Where it's like, it must have been annoying for the Beach Boys to make this music. Sure. To, to make that kind of music. Yes. Where he's just like, no, we need to do a thousand harmonies. And you need to do a thousand take of every harmony. So I know you got it right. And Yeah, it is like hindsight 2020. We can look back and be like... Obviously, Pet Sounds is a great album. Everything that Wilson did was, like, a genius move. And he clearly is, like, a musical genius. And right. then... But at the time, it's hard to take... Right. I mean, and, like, getting there in a way that no one has ever done faith. before. Yeah. Like, it's like, exactly. yeah. It's like, yeah, and it's a classic... What, like, are we, yeah. what are we making? What are we working towards? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's a fair question. It's like, yeah. We're, he's like, none of us have instruments. Like, we aren't playing anything. He's like, it's all recorded separately, like, all layered. We have the sleigh bells, we have the dark yeah. bar king. And it, and it uh, like, helps show just, like, maybe what was his downfall, but also he obviously had other problems of his life. Of just like, yeah, he was a very intelligent musical person, but he had just had a struggle to communicate with people in a way where it's just like, yeah, but it, it, he's, he, like, he did, he could only sort of get certain things by listening to them and just, like, making people do a thousand takes of it, which is, like, session musicians are not probably fine with because they're session musicians and, and they get paid by the yeah. hour, so if they get right. do, if they do it a million times, they're fine with it. But when he's talking to his four, like, in-theory collaborators, they're obviously going to be a lot more pissed off about the whole thing. Yeah. I, um, I do think the movie is very good. Um, I think it mostly works, but there are some scenes um, where the transitioning between old and, like, time, it doesn't need to be seamless, but it feels clunky a few times and, like, sort of loses its footing in its more biopicy trappings. Uh, but they are, like, few and far between. And uh, the... Uh, late 80s, early 90s section with Elizabeth Banks. I think we should uh, give some talk to because Banks, I think, is incredible. They, um, yeah, they have good chemistry. Just like the yeah. portrait of empathy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's excellent. I think, you know, she she's a performer I've always liked. I like always like to see Elizabeth Banks in something. You know, she's like the, the best guest sitcom guest star you'd ever want. Like, she's great on 30 Rock. She's great on uh, Modern Family. She has a fun character. Like, she'll show up sure. and, like, and she'll do like she'll do like t- uh, Scrubs, obviously. She'll do like fifteen. She'll do like fifteen or twenty episodes as a guest star, and like as be a be a fun recurring presence on something like that. Um, yeah. This but, is the yeah. same year as Magic Mike XX. I mean, the year it comes out, like why? I mean, like yeah. when it gets released in theaters, the same year as Magic Mike XXL, which she is good in at a very small part. Sure. Um, but yeah, she's like you know she and and it's you know she's our POV character for the john cusack half like she's who we meet old brian wilson through and she's the one who like is discovering what has happened to him and 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 is the one who is trying to take action to to get it to change uh and i think like yeah you you, it it is like it's a it's a confounding thing to encounter someone who's like struggling this much and you know she i think she she plays that so well of like i want to help him i'm not quite sure how and then she figures it out and uh you know does some scary stuff and like you know paul giamatti like yells at her and like says some awful things to her when she like takes action and like it's like scary 
and uh, Jesse wants us uh, to share that she's really hot. Uh, so that's also a factor there. Yes. it. I mean, it's also like, because she has to navigate a lot of weird things of just like, well, she's sort of playing a kind of love interest, but also this guy is like a child. And right. She has to be, he's not she capable is like aware of, of that. being yeah, in a so romantic yeah, relationship so like, with a person. <laughs> yeah. That is like an interesting thing that you don't see often of like the tragic spouse or partner of like the the you know tormented genius where she's like i we can't be together actually but i will help you get out of this and just like speaks to her like decency as a as a like a person and like really feels uh uh you know i i, I mentioned there's sort of like biopicy trappings that can get caught in it that she really does feel like a real person and like gets to do these bigger emotional scenes with giamatti going like crazy yelling yeah and still feel like ground like that scene where he gets served at the cadillac mm-hmm. dealership and he's just like he's so is like so intense yeah. yeah where he's just like slamming and she's just in there listening and when she finally opens the door it is like a real good fuck you to giamatti who yeah. like is also like incredible i think but is just pure evil and I mean the the way that he first off everyone especially in the eighties uh, or the like the early nineties section the drips crazy. Cusack has great sneakers, great jackets. Giamatti's got the tennis outfit looking very good. There's a great sweater in the scene where he is making burgers and yells at Brian for eating one. Yeah, uh, and after after I mean, he tells Elizabeth the Banks about all about the book about slang that he wrote. Yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> uh, that scene is so good. It's and good I feel scene. like it is, uh, I was watching it with someone and they pointed out that it is sort of like play-like and it's just like a lot of like long scenes yeah. just like taking place and like that that we, Amelia mentioned how like how good the opening is with them in the Cadillac dealership and it is just like a lot of it is like single shot like on a conversation just like long scenes and uh but i mean the, the one where it's like we go from giamatti grilling and like talking about this crazy book then to uh you know brian is like in his drug adult, adult state and elizabeth banks is like trying to get to the bottom of like what like he's having and Giamatti's, like, snapping in every now and then, of like, what are you saying? Like, uh, speak up a little bit or whatever. Right. And then, you know, there's the huge part where he's, like, freaking out about not letting him eat the burger. Mm-hmm. And then he eats it when his back's turned. And then he starts, like, scr- right. berating him. You think you're hungry, so... but you're actually thirsty. So drink some wine. Yeah. Like, like, how, yeah. Do you understand because the difference also... between being actually hungry and you think you're hungry? Like, I'm t- like, and he's, like... It's like no, no one would understand that difference. What are you talking about, man? Like he's like, um, there's the whole thing of him like getting him to lose weight, like, uh, and his his sort of fixation on his nutrition, in which he like brings nachos or whatever, and he like throws them in the trash and is like, you know, trying to keep all this healthy stuff. Yeah, uh, it's it's really crazy, and he really just uh, embodies that guy perfectly big marty wolf energy um and to go back to banks a little bit i do also the other scene with her that i really like is the scene with her and cusack on the boat where yeah uh at the beginning like the guy on the boat is like playing like old beach boys music and he like brian's like please turn that off it drives me 
like it like messes with my head in like a significantly yeah. like harmful way uh and then like yeah they just have a real nice conversation and he like is playful and they like gets her to jump off the boat with him like it's a really nice scene i think yeah yeah just uh it's just like it's a classic better than you think it's gonna be movie sure exactly yeah um what and i'm just curious like looking at uh william polad's like uh, bill polad imdb uh he like has not directed a ton like he made one other movie in 1990 weirdly mostly a producer yeah he looks like he's mostly a like a, a producer uh, I don't know if like a studio on a studio like exec I, level or if he's. I like... don't know where I read this, so this might be vague. But I think it. I think uh, uh, love and mercy was a thing that was like be trying to get made for a while, and then eventually he was the person who was like, "If this is gonna be get made, I'm the person." Right, I guess I'll just make it. Like we. Gotta... I need. I need to do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he has like a f- bunch of interesting credits. He's worked with Malik a lot. Um. He. Uh, and yeah, his, his this is it's gonna be his third movie, and but his first one is in 1990. Then Love and Mercy was 2014, 2015, and then this was you know 2022 festival run. So he takes his time in between as far as uh, uh, directed uh, efforts. Yeah, uh, and um, and just I I guess I also want to mention about the Elizabeth Banks thing of just like I think. The movie at the end credits the real Mel- I forget what the name Melissa Melinda Ledbetter Melinda Ledbetter, so I feel like that might have like how much more in depth that character is than the traditional biopic might have been a thing of just like that person was fairly involved with like the process, obviously because you're not gonna get like almost anybody else you're not really gonna get uh that much because it's like was Brian Wilson passed. No, he's still with us, I think. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, I feel like he he probably did not. I feel like, oh yeah, I, I think I remember him giving some quote about the movie where it was like, it was a little less sad than that, but I, I think it gets at something. But, uh, you know, Landy's not going to get involved. The other Beach Boys. Mike Love probably wouldn't touch this movie with a 10,000 Jesse has uh, insisted that we all look at a tweet uh, which is uh, a first look at the at his upcoming movie Dream and Wild which shows uh, Casey Affleck holding a acoustic guitar uh, with his head down as Zoe Deschanel uh, hugs him as they both sit she sort of is side hugging him this is yeah. uh, uh, apparently an important image that we all had to discuss. So, I mean, we're talking. I don't about have anything to say just, about it. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jesse. I mean, um, I guess I don't know what the movie's going to be about, Dreaming Wild, other than that it's about the Emerson brothers, who I know were like, I or I say I know, I believe they were a band as children, and then the record sort of just sat around and finally came out, like in the late 2000s or something like that and it was discovered that way and like they had this strange resurgence um but i could be wrong um but i mean look i'm excited like we said that this one's uh well directed on paul ed's end and um i'll be uh i i it's a different cinematographer it's not yeoman again but i hope uh, he finds a way to make it look good and uh, I think this integrates uh, Beach Boys really well. Atticus Ross did the score. 
I think he uh, yeah, and then in the credits, it's like he like wrote a bunch of stuff that like incorporates a lot of Beach Boys songs, and like it's yeah. all like extensively credited in the credits. It's cool to see. Um, um and I, I think this also does a like a, a fun cinematic trick and represents like um you know all the noise that is right. going around the stuff in brian's head that he's like trying to create order out of the sound design is like very well done and it's like a very immersive experience listening to it like that yeah um yeah cool little movie it's on hbo right now uh in, yeah, in the states Max. definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it and i mean look the beach boys make great music God only knows is like one of the top ten songs, probably. Probably, I listen. They got a great discog. I do. Surfing I mean, and you, you you specifically mentioned cleaning your house, Andy. Pet Sounds is a great cleaning the house album. Is it? That's Put it on. Open a lot of windows. Um, but yeah, should we move on to special presentations? Uh, sure, we should. I'll go first. Great. Speaking of recorded music production <laughs> original cast album company by uh d.a pennebaker mm-hmm. <laughs> incredible great stuff i uh it's the best thing i've seen in a while yeah and i just i mean it's goes down so uh, easy 55 minutes or whatever it's <laughs> yeah it's so sick i i watched it i did i couldn't believe it was over when it ended uh but it is just the recording I'm sure we've talked about it at some point in some plug, maybe. Yeah. But it's just uh, a filmed recording of the original cast album for the musical company um, that they did in one night. Uh, Basically, like one day. yeah. They usually, yeah. They, I mean, it's expensive to rent a studio, right? Sure. So, like, usually shows record their albums. And they, like, everyone knows the music very well because they've been... Yeah, yeah. Usually they, they record show. it traditionally it's like the monday after you open or whatever like your first dark day after you open is when you you go in and you record your album um but yeah and it's just you get little snippets of them recording songs from company which i've listened to most of um but i'm getting into it and maybe i'll even watch it at some point yeah this is one of the filmed uh recordings of the musical there's a couple of interesting Um, ones certainly yeah but it's um it's great. All the songs are great. It's uh, very fun to see the person doing the recording and Sondheim there and Harold Prince walk in. And then uh, what's the, what's the guy who who wrote the script, the book with him? Oh, George Firth. Yeah, George Firth is a very funny presence. Uh, yeah. He's like a real dork to, <laughs> next to Sondheim. Uh, and then I also, uh, with Andy, we watched again. And uh, listen to the Sondheim commentary, yeah, which is uh, recorded just uh, like a couple of years ago for the new Criterion release, yeah, like, it, and, like shortly before his death, yeah. Um, and uh, there's, I, I said this on Letterboxd, There's a few moments that are really funny. Yeah, where he has just, like, quite a way with words, as you might imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, and he says, uh, he, "There's, I, I, I forget the people's names, but there's like a scene where he's like, as you're watching the movie, Sondheim's like taking this woman aside." And it's like giving your instruction on how to do something. And he's like, we had the song this originally, and it was a showstopper, but in a bad way. And then, um, <laughs> he's like, he's talking about Elaine Stritch. And like famously at the end of Company, um, she's doing the song Ladies Who Lunch. And it's like the last song they're recording. And everyone's just been smoking all day and like screaming. And she has to do this like weird talkie song where she starts yelling at it. And, like, 
he's like, I know her voice is going to be tired. She can't do this. Right. And they do it over and over and over again. She, yeah. And, like, eventually she's, like, screaming mad. And, uh... She listens to they, herself and is, like, screaming yeah. at herself to shut up. She's like, shut up! <laughs> um, uh, but, and, uh, she, um... You know, the, the famous thing is that, like, they record just the or- uh, orchestra doing the song, and then she comes and sings over the bed, and, like, nails it in one take. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, Sondheim's, like, as we're going through, like, the montage, basically, of her not being able to, uh, do the song, uh, uh he, he's like, the more she tried, the more she didn't succeed. It's <laughs> 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 really funny. Um, but it's great. I would highly recommend uh, watching original cast some company yeah. I'm sure it's like going to be on Criterion channel for a while it's one of their like Criterion editions so it's got all the commentaries and special features and then also watch the uh, documentary now co-op which is <laughs> almost equally as good rude yep I asked uh, I on discord you can have like a profile like a quote on your profile and it's and for mine it's for like a year and a half it's been she's gonna say harpoon this take but that's not my fault <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean and i didn't know that that actually happened in uh yeah company. basically everything is based on like a real like, thing word for word basically. yeah it's like <laughs> what is it? it's booby and she's saying bubby or right, whatever yeah. he's like say goody <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah i've also I listened think- to that recording of ladies who lunch a thousand times. Actually, can I go real quick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I had a couple of things I could say, but I've decided to go one with, that is a little appropriate. Uh, Panda Bear just put out an album. Okay. Uh, haven't really listened to a lot of Panda Bear, but a bunch of people were like, this Panda Bear album is really good, and it's really like the Beach Boys, and turns out it's really good, and it's really like the Beach Boys. It, it is just, it sounds like they, somebody made a, like, a 1968 like, Beach Boys record in 2022. People should listen to it. I believe it's Panda Bear with another artist called Sonic Boom. I am not familiar. And the album is called Reset. The single Edge of the Edge is really good. I haven't heard this yet. This is exciting. Yeah, Panda Bear, you gotta get into like early Panda Bear. <laughs> I've only, I've only listened to that one bands. Animal Collective album. Yeah. Also, DuckTales was like, a, there's a, duck, the band DuckTales uh, has a song with Panda Bear, uh, but that's beside the point. Andy, go ahead, Great. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You just said DuckTales, and so I had to do the, Woo! Yeah. Um, but I did it silently at first until I was able to talk. Uh, anyway, uh, I have been moving into a new apartment for this last uh, past several days including packing and you recommend that to, that to everybody yeah absolutely do it all the time i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do it every month now uh, i'm just gonna keep breaking my leases to move every month um, but um so i haven't had a lot of time to like watch or... okay my credit is ruined <laughs> yeah um uh my uh shout out to my parents who are absolute heroes for helping me with this process anyway um the uh what I have been watching in my downtime is I was like, I need, like, something chill, something light, something easy, something that I'm not going to feel bad about watching on my laptop, like, and so I have been catching up with uh, Abbott Elementary, the uh, oh. the breakout sitcom of, of the past year, 
and it's really cute and charming and funny and uh shelly ralph is like so fun on it uh and uh chris perpetti i always like a lot quinta brunson the uh the lead and creator is very winning zach fox uh i don't know who that is he plays her boyfriend who's a rapper oh sure he's only been in one episode so far uh of what i've seen but he's good uh she needs to dump him obviously like the show is very telegraphing that (laughs) 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 the show is telegraphing very hard that she needs to dump him um uh but uh but yeah it's really uh, it goes down so easy it's really you know there's there's 13 22 minute episodes it's classic sitcom uh and uh you know has a good amount of like kids jokes um uh and uh of like kids acting weird or or whatever like i think uses them very well it is a little like as someone who has like some teaching experience it's like a little like how do these teachers have so much time to just like hang out in each other's rooms and like talk to each other and stuff but like you get over that it's a sitcom it's a it's a great time if you're if you're looking for something yeah simple and funny uh check it out great uh and then andy i feel like it's only fitting that you should read Jesse's special presentation. Yes, I feel very strong-armed into this, and I don't quite like it, but under protest, I will uh, read this uh, word for word from Jesse. My special presentation is the new chair Andy built. If you send us $10 on the coffee, we will send you a picture of the chair. If you send us $20 on coffee, Andy will tell you how you too can build such a chair. It's a good chair. Um... Spoiler alert, it's going to start with spend $90 on Amazon.com. So, you know, uh, be prepared for that. Um, And I think that's it. Colin, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, sure. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, we're at Pod. If you want to donate to see Andy's chair, or because we're going to TIFF soon. If we get any uh, takers to... on my chair, I'm going to be really mad, I think. <laughs> but think about the TIFF money, Andy. <laughs> I know, I would love <laughs> TIFF money. <laughs> uh, t- uh, but this is at uh, coffee.com slash ko-fi.com slash c-a-n-n-e-s-i. Coffee.com slash can I. And I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Clatchley. You've probably seen my name around these days. I'm kind of blowing oh up. <laughs> Andy, yours? Uh, Andy T. Germ. Have not been tweeting a lot these days for aforementioned reasons. Amelia? Uh, I'm left alone on Twitter. Have not been tweeting almost at all just for the past year and a half of my life. Uh, I laugh alone on Letterboxd. Also posting less on that. Uh, maybe... I'm just stressed all the time and my life is falling apart. Uh, also, you can't uh, you can't post on Letterboxd the fact that you watched all of The Bear for some reason. So, uh, <laughs> and with that. Well, and then also uh, Jesse's on Twitter at JCPGlickWeber with two Bs. And our theme song is by Tree Related. Is that SoundCloud and Spotify at Tree Related? And then we'll release the audience. Bye. Bye. Bye.